Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Section 8 of The Storm by Daniel Defoe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The following letters, though in a homely style, are written by very honest, plain, and observing persons, to whom entire credit may be given. Bruton Sir, sometimes since I received a letter from you to give you an account of the most particular things that happened in the late dreadful tempest of wind, and in the first place is the copy of a letter from a brother of mine that was an exciseman of axbridge in the west of our county of somerset these are his words <clears throat> what i know of the winds in these parts are that it broke down many trees and that the house of one richard hendon of charterhouse on mendip called piney was almost blown down and in saving their house they and the servants and others heard grievous cries and screeches in the air the tower of compton bishop was much shattered and the leads that covered it were taken clean away and laid flat in the churchyard the house of john cray of that place received much and strange damages which together with his part in the sea-wall amounted to five hundred pounds near the salt-works in the parish of burnham was driven five trading vessels as colliers and corn dealers betwixt wales and bridgewater at least a hundred yards on pasture ground in the north march on the sides of bristol river near ken at walton woodspring the waters broke with such violence that it came six miles into the country drowning much cattle carrying away several hayricks and stacks of corn and at a farm at churchill near rington it blew down a hundred and fifty elms that grew most in rows and were laid as uniform as soldiers lodged their arms at cheddar near axbridge was much harm done in apple trees houses and such like but what's worth remark though not the very night of the tempest a company of wicked people being at a wedding of one thomas marshall john the father of the said thomas being as most of the company was very drunk after much filthy discourse while he was eating a strange cat pulling something from his trenchard he cursing her stooped to take it up and died immediately at bruton what was most remarkable was this that one john dicer of that town lay the night as the tempest was in the barn of one john cellar the violence of the wind broke down the roof of the barn 
but fortunately for him there was a ladder which stayed up a rafter which would have fell upon the said john dicer but he narrowly escaping being killed did slide himself through the broken roof and so got over the wall without any great hurt what hurt was done more about that town is not so considerable as in other places such as blowing off the thatch from a great many back houses of the town for the town is most tiled with a heavy sort of tile that the wind had no power to move there was some hurt done to the church which was not above forty shillings besides the windows which was a considerable damage the lady fitzharding's house standing by the church the battlement with part of the wall of the house was blown down which tis said above twenty men with all their strength could not have thrown down besides a great many trees in the park torn up by the roots and laid in very good order one after another it was taken notice that the wind did not come in a full body at once but it came in several gusts as myself have taken notice as i rid the country that in half a mile's riding i could not see a tree down nor much hurt to houses then again i might for some space see the trees down and all the houses shattered and i have taken notice that it runs so all up the country in such a line as the wind sat about one of the clock it turned to the northwest but at the beginning was at southwest i myself was up until one and then i went to bed but the highest of the wind was after that so that my bed did shake with me what was about Wincanton was that one mrs gapper had thirty-six elm trees growing together in a row thirty-five of them was blown down in one edge hill of the same town and his family being abed did arise hearing the house begin to crack and got out of the doors with his whole family and as soon as they were out the roof of the house fell in and the violence of the wind took the children's headcloths that they never saw them afterwards at evercreech three miles from bruton there were a poor woman begged for lodging in the barn of one edmund penny that same night that the storm was she was wet the day before in travelling so she hung up her clothes in the barn and lay in the straw but when the storm came it blew down the roof of the barn where she lay and she narrowly escaped with her life being much bruised and got out almost naked through the roof where it was broken most and went to the dwelling-house of the said edmund penny and they did arise and did help her to something to cover her till they could get out her clothes that place of evercreech received a great deal of hurt in their houses which is too large to put here at batcombe easterly of evercreech they had a great deal of damage done as i said before it lay exactly with the wind from evercreech 
and both places received a great deal of damage. There was one widow, Walter, lived in a house by itself. The wind carried away the roof, and the woman's pair of bodice, that was never heard of again, and the whole family escaped narrowly with their lives. All the battlements of the church on that side of the tower, next to the wind, was blown in, and a great deal of damage done to the church. At Shipton Mallet was great damages done, as I was told by the post that comes to Bruton, that the tiles of the meeting-house was blown off, and being a sort of light tiles, they flew against the neighbouring windows, and broke them to pieces. And at Chalton, near Shepton Mallet, at one abbot's, the roof was carried from the walls of the house in the house, mightily shaken, and seemingly the foundation removed. And in the morning they found a foundation stone of the house upon the top of the wall, where was a shoe in the ground of its being driven out. At Dinder, within two miles of Shepton, there was one John Allen and his son, being out of doors in the midst of the tempest, they saw a great body of fire flying on the side of a hill, called Dinder Hill, about half a mile from them, with a shoe of black in the midst of it, and another body of fire following it, something smaller than the former. There has been a strange thing at Butley, eight miles from Bruton, which was thought to be witchcraft, where a great many unusual things happened to one Pope and his family, especially to a boy that was his son, that having lain several hours dead, when he came to himself, he told his father and several of his neighbours strange stories of being carried away by some of his neighbours that have been counted wicked persons. The things have been so strangely related that thousands of people have gone to see and hear it. It lasted about a year or more. But since the storm I have inquired of the neighbours how it was, and they tell me that since the late tempest of the wind, the house and people have been quiet, for it's generally said that there was some conjuration in quieting of that house. If you have a desire to hear any farther account of it, I will make it my business to inquire farther of it, for there were such things happened in that time which is seldom heard of. Your humble servant, Hugh Ash. Our town of Butley lies in such a place that no post-house is in a great many miles of it, or you should hear oftener. Sir, I received yours desiring an account of the damage done by the late great wind about us. At Will Snorton, three miles from Whitney, the lead of the church was rolled, and great damage done to the church. Many great elms were torn up by the roots. At Helford, two miles from us, a rookery of elms was most of it tore up by the roots. At Kokiep, two miles from us, 
was a barn blown down and several elms blown down across the highway so that there was no passage a great oak of about nine or ten loads was blown down having a raven sitting in it his wing feathers got between two boughs and held him fast but the raven received no hurt at duckleton a little thatched house was taken off the ground penning and removed a distance from the place the covering not damaged hayrecks abundance are torn to pieces at whitney six stacks of chimneys blown down one house had a sheet of lead taken from one side and blown over to the other and many houses were quite torn to pieces several hundred trees blown down some broke in the middle and some torn up by the roots blessed be god i hear neither man woman nor child that received any harm about us your servant richard abenill whitney oxfordshire ilmister somerset brief but exact remarks on the late dreadful storms of wind as it affected the town and the parts adjacent imprimis at axel parish three miles west from this town the stable belonging to the hare and hounds inn was blown down in which were three horses one killed another very much bruised two at jurdan's a gentleman's seat in the same parish there was a brick stable whose roof one back and one end wall were all thrown down and four foot in depth of the forewall in this stable were four horses which by reason of the hayloft that bore up the roof were all preserved three at sevington parish three miles east from this town john hutkins had the roof of a new-built house heaved clean off the walls note the house was not glazed and the roof was thatched four in white larkington park a mile east from this town besides four or five hundred tall trees broken and blown down admiral to behold what great roots was turned up there were three very large beeches two of them that were near five foot thick in the stem were broken off one of them near the root the other was broken off twelve foot above and from that place down home to the root was shattered and flown the other that was not broken cannot have less than forty wagon loads in it a very fine walk of trees before the house all blown down and broke down the roof of a pigeon house the rookery carried away in lanes the lodge house damaged in the roof and one end by the fall of trees in the garden belonging to the house was a very fine walk of tall firs twenty of which were broken down five the damage in the thatch of houses which is the usual covering in these parts is so great and general that the price of reed 
arose from twenty shillings to fifty or three pounds a hundred insomuch that to shelter themselves from the open air many poor people were glad to use the bean helm and furse to thatch their houses with things never known to be put to such use before six at kingston a mile distance from this town the church was very much shattered in its roof and walls too and all our country churches much shattered so that churches and gentlemen's houses which were tiled were so shattered in their roofs that at present they are generally patched with reed not in compliance with the mode but the necessity of the times seven at broadway two miles west of this town hugh betty his wife and four children being in his house it was by the violence of the storm blown down one of his children killed his wife wounded but recovered the rest escaped with their lives a large almshouse had most of the tile blown off and other houses much shattered a very large brick barn blown down walls and roof to the ground eight many large stacks of wheat were broken some of the sheaves carried two or three hundred yards from the place many stacks of hay turned over some stacks of corn heaved off the stattle and set down on the ground and not broken nine dalish walk two miles southeast the church was very much shattered several loads of stones fell down not as yet repaired therefore can't express the damage a very large barn broken down that stood near the church much damage was done to orchards not only in this place but in all places round some very fine orchards quite destroyed some to their great cost had the trees set up right again but a storm of wind came after which threw down many of the trees again as to timber trees almost all our high trees were broken down in that violent storm ten in this town henry duster his wife and two children was in their house when it was blown down but they all escaped with their lives only one of them had a small bruise with a piece of timber as she was going out of the chamber when the roof broke in the church in this place escaped very well as to its roof being covered with lead only on the chancel the lead was at the top of the roof heaved up and rolled together more than ten men could turn back again without cutting the sheets of lead which was done to put it in its place again but in general the houses much broken and shattered besides the fall of some this is a short but true account i have heard of several things which i have not mentioned because i could not be positive of the truth of them unless i had seen it 
this is what I have been to see the truth of. You may enlarge on these short heads, and methodize em as you see good. At Henton St. George, at the Lord Paulet's, a new brick wall was broken down by the wind for above a hundred foot, the wall being built not above two years since, as also above sixty trees, near a hundred foot high. At Barrington, about two miles north of this town, there was blown down above eight score trees, being of an extraordinary height, at the Lady Stroud's. As we shall not crowd our relation with many letters from the same places, so it cannot be amiss to let the world have at least one authentic account from most of those places where any capital damages have been sustained, and to sum up the rest in a general head at the end of this chapter. From Wiltshire we have the following account from the Reverend, the Minister of Upper Donhead, near Shaftesbury, to which the reader is referred as follows. Sir, as the undertaking you are engaged in, to preserve the remembrance of the late dreadful tempest, is very commendable in itself, and may in several respects be serviceable not only to the present age, but also to posterity so it merits a suitable encouragement and tis hoped it will meet with such from all that have either a true sense of religion or have any sensible share of the care of providence over them or of the goodness of god unto them in the land of the living upon that occasion there are doubtless vast numbers of people in all parts where the tempest raged that have the greatest reason as the author of this paper for one hath to bless god for their wonderful preservation and to tell it to the generation following but to detain you no longer with preliminaries i shall give you a faithful account of what occurred in my neighbourhood according to the conditions mentioned in the advertisement in the gazette worthy at least of my notice if not of the undertakers and i can assure you that the several particulars were either such as i can vouch for on my own certain knowledge and observation or else such as i am satisfied of the truth of by the testimony of others whose integrity I have no reason to suspect. I will say no more than this, in general, concerning the storm, that at its height it seemed, for some hours, to be a perfect hurricane, the wind raging from every quarter, especially from all the points of the compass, from northeast to the northwest, as the dismal effect of it in these parts do evidently demonstrate in the demolishing of buildings or impairing them at best and in the throwing up vast numbers of trees by the roots or snapping them off in their bodies or larger limbs but as to some remarkable particulars 
you may take these following, viz. 1. The parish church received little damage, though it stands high. The chief was in some of the windows on the north side, and in the fall of the top stone of one of the pinnacles, which fell on a house adjoining to the tower, with little hurt to the roof, from which, glancing, it rested on the leads of the south aisle of the church. At the fall of it, an aged woman, living in the said house, on which the stone fell, heard horrible screeches, as she constantly avers, in the air, but none before nor afterwards. 2. Two stone chimney-tops were thrown down, and two broad stones of each of them lay at even poise on the respective ridges of both the houses, and though the wind sat full against one of them to have thrown it off, and then it had fallen over a door, in and out at which several people were passing during the storm, and though the other fell against the wind, yet neither of the said stones stirred. 3. A stone of near four hundred weight, having lain about seven years under a bank, defended from the wind as it then sat, though it lay so long as to be fixed in the ground, and was as much out of the wind as could be, being fenced by the bank, and a low stone wall upon the bank, none of which was demolished, though two small homes standing in the bank between the wall and the stone at the foot of the bank were blown up by the roots. I say, this stone, though thus fenced from the storm, was carried from the place where it lay into a hollow way beneath at least seven yards from the place where it was known to have laid for seven years before. 4. A widow woman living in one part of an house by herself kept her bed till the house over her was uncovered, and she expected the fall of the timber and walls, but getting below stairs in the dark, and opening the door to fly for shelter, the wind was so strong in the door that she could neither get out at it, though she attempted to go out on her knees and hands, nor could she shut the door again with all her strength, but was forced to sit alone for several hours, till the storm slackened, fearing every gust would have buried her in the ruins, and yet it pleased God to preserve her, for the house, though a feeble one, stood over the storm. 5. Another, who made malt in his barn, had been turning his malt some time before the storm was at its height, and another of the family, being desirous to go again into the said barn some time after, was dissuaded from it, and immediately thereupon the said barn was thrown down by the storm. 6. But a much narrower escape had one, for whose safety the collector of these passages had the greatest reason to bless and praise the great preserver of men, 
who was twice in his bed that dismal night, though he had warning sufficient to deter him the first time by the falling of some of the ceiling on his back and shoulders, as he was preparing to go to bed, and was altogether insensible of the great danger he was in, till the next morning, after the daylight appeared, when he found the tiles on the side of the house opposite to the main stress of the weather blown up in two places, one of which was over his bed's head, about nine foot above it, in which two or three laths being broken, let down a square of eight or ten stone tiles upon one single lath, where they hung dropping inward a little, and bended the lath like a bow, but fell not. What the consequence of their fall had been was obvious to as many as saw it, and none has more reason to magnify God's great goodness in this rescue of his providence than the relator. 7. A young man of the same parish, who was sent abroad to look after some black cattle and sheep that fed in an enclosure, in or near to which there were some stacks of corn blown down, reports that though he had much difficulty to find the enclosure in the dark, and to get thither by reason of the tempest then raging in the height of its fury, yet being there, he saw a mighty body of fire on an high ridge of hills about three parts of a mile from the said enclosure, which gave so clear a light into the valley below, as that by it the said young man could distinctly descry all the sheep and cattle in the said pasture, so as to perceive there was not one wanting. 8. At Ashgrove, in the same parish where many tall trees were standing on the steep side of an hill, there were two trees of considerable bigness, blown up against the side of the hill, which seems somewhat strange to such as have seen how many are blown at the same place. A quite contrary way, that is, down the hill, and to fall downwards was to fall with the wind, as upward was to fall against it. 9. One in this neighbourhood had a poplar in his backside, of near sixteen yards high, blown down, which, standing near a small current of water, the roots brought up near a ton of earth with them, and there the tree lay for some days after the storm. But when the top or head of the tree was sawed off from the body, though the boughs were nothing to the weight of the butt-end, yet the tree mounted and fell back into its place, and stood as upright without its head as ever it had done with it. And the same happened at the Lady Banks, her house near Shaftesbury, where a walnut-tree was thrown down in a place that declined somewhat, and after the greater limbs had been cut off in the daytime, went back in the night following, of itself, 
and now stands in the same place and posture it stood in before it was blown down i saw it standing the fourteenth of this instant and could scarcely perceive any token of its having been down so very exactly it fell back into its place this is somewhat the more remarkable because the ground as i said was declining and consequently the tree raised against the hill to this i shall only add at present that ten this relater lately driving through a neighbourhood parish saw two trees near two houses thrown besides the said houses and very near each house which yet did little or no harm when if they had fallen with the wind they must needs have fallen directly upon the said houses and eleven that this relater had two very tall elms thrown up by the roots which fell in among five young walnut trees without injuring a twig or bud of either of them as raised the admiration of such as saw it twelve in the same place the top of another elm yet standing was carried off from the body of the tree a good part of twenty yards sir i shall trouble you no further at present you may perhaps think this enough and too much but however that may be you or your ingenious undertakers are left at liberty to publish so much or so little of this narrative as shall be thought fit for the service of the public i must confess the particular deliverances were what chiefly induced me to set pen to paper though the other matters are considerable but whatever regard you shew to the latter in justice you should publish the former to the world as the glory of god is therein concerned more immediately to promote which is the only aim of this paper and the more effectually to induce you to do me right for contributing a slender mite towards your very laudable undertaking i make no manner of scruple to subscribe myself sir yours etc rice adams upper donhead december eighteenth seventeen o three rector of upper donhead wilts near shaftesbury End of section 8。section 9 of the storm by daniel defoe。this librivox recording is in the public domain。from littleton in worcestershire and middleton in oxfordshire the following letters may be a specimen of what those whole counties felt and of which we have several other particular accounts sir public notice being given of a design collection of the most prodigious as well as lamentable effects of the last dreadful tempest of wind 
there are many persons hereabouts, and I suppose in many other places, wish all speedy furtherance and good success to that so useful and pious undertaking. For it may very well be thought to have a good influence both upon the present age and succeeding generation, to beget in them a holy admiration and fear of that tremendous power and majesty which, as one prophet tells us, causeth the vapours to ascend from the ends of the earth, and bringeth the wind out of its treasures, and, as the priest saith, hath so done his marvellous works, that they ought to be had in remembrance. As to these villages of Littleton and Worcestershire, I can only give this information, that this violent hurricane visited us also in its passage to the great terror of the inhabitants who although by the gracious providence of god all escaped with their lives and limbs and the main fabric of their houses stood though with much shaking and some damage in the roofs of many of them yet when the morning light appeared after that dismal night they were surprised with fresh apprehensions of the dangers escaped, when they discovered the sad havoc that had been made among the trees of their orchards and closes, very many fruit trees, and many mighty elms being torn up, and one elm above the rest, of very great bulk and ancient growth, I observed, which might have defied the strength of all men and teams in the parish though assaulted in every branch with ropes and chains was found torn up by the roots all sound and of vast strength and thickness and with its fall as was thought by the help of the same impetuous gusts broke off in the middle of the timber another great elm its fellow and next neighbour and that which may exercise the thoughts of the curious some little houses and outhouses that seemed to stand in the same current and without any visible burrow or shelter escaped in their roofs without any or very little damage what accidents of note happened in our neighbouring parishes i suppose you may receive from other hands this i thank god is all that i have to transmit unto you from this place but that i am a well-wisher to your work in hand and your humble servant littleton december twentieth ralph norris middleton stoney in oxfordshire november twenty sixth seventeen o three the wind being west by south-west, it began to blow very hard at twelve of the clock at night, and about four or five in the morning, November 27th, the hurricane was very terrible. Many large trees were torn up by the roots in this place. The leads of the church were rolled up. The stone battlements of the tower were blown down upon the leads. Several houses and barns were uncovered, Part of a new-built wall of brick belonging to a stable was blown down, and very much damage of the like nature 
was done by the winds in the towns and villages adjacent. William Offley, Rector of Middleton Stoney. From Lymington Hastings, near Dunchurch in Warwickshire, we have the following account. Sir, I find in the advertisements a desire to have an account of what happened remarkable in the late terrible storm in the country. The stories everywhere are very many, and several of them such as will scarce gain credit. One of them I send here an account of being an eyewitness, and living upon the place. The storm here began on the 26th of November, 1703, about twelve o'clock, but the severest blasts were between five and six in the morning, and between eight and nine, the twenty-seventh, I went up to the church, where I found all the middle aisle clearly stripped of the lead from one end to the other, and a great many of the sheets lying on the east end upon the church, rolled up like a piece of cloth. I found on the ground six sheets of lead, at least fifty hundred weight, all joined together, not the least parted, but as they lay upon the aisle, which six sheets of lead were so carried in the air by the wind fifty yards and a foot, measured by a workman exactly as could be, from the place of the aisle where they lay to the place they fell and they might have been carried a great way farther had they not happened in their way upon a tree struck off an arm of it near seventeen yards high the end of one sheet was twisted round the body of the tree and the rest all joined together lay at length having broke down the pails first where the tree stood and lay upon the pails on the ground with one end of them as i said before round the body of the tree. At the same time at Marson, in the county of Warwick, about four miles from this place, a great rick of wheat was blown off from its stadles, and set down without one sheaf removed, or disturbed, or without standing away twenty yards from the place. If you have a mind to be farther satisfied in this matter, let me hear from you, and I will endeavour it, but I am in great haste at this time, which forces me to be confused. I am your friend, E. Kingsburg. The following account we have from Ferrum and Christchurch in Hampshire, which are also well attested. Sir, I received yours, and in answer these are to acquaint you that we about us came no ways behind the rest of our neighbours in that mighty storm or hurricane. As for our own parish, very few houses or outhouses escaped. There was in the parish of Ferrum six barns blown down, with diverse other outhouses, and many trees blown up by the roots, and other broken off in the middle, by the fall of a large elm, a very large stone window at the west end of our church was broken down. There was but two stacks of chimneys thrown down in all our parish that I know of, 
and these without hurting any person. There was in a coppice called Pupil Coppice an oak tree of about a load of timber that was twisted off with the wind, and the body that was left standing down to its very roots so shivered that it were cut into lengths it would fall all in pieces. Notwithstanding so many trees and so much outhousing was blown down, I do not hear of one beast that was killed or hurt. There was on the down called Portston, in the parish of Southwick, within three miles of us, a windmill was blown down, that had not been up very many years, with great damage in the said parish to Mr. Norton, by the falling of many chimneys and trees. The damage sustained by us in the healing is such that we are obliged to make use of slit deals to supply the want of slats and tiles until summer come to make some, and so much thatching wanting that it cannot be all repaired till after another harvest. As for the sea affairs about us, we had but one vessel abroad at that time, which was one John Watson, the master of which was never heard of yet, and, I am afraid, never will. I have just reason to lament her loss, having a great deal of goods aboard her. If at any time any particular relation that is true come to my knowledge, and any convenient time, I will not fail to give you an account, and at all times remain. Your servant, Henry Stanton. Ferrum, January the 23rd, 1703-1704. Sir, in answer to yours relating to the damages done by the late storm in and about our town, is that we had great part of the roof of our church uncovered, which was covered with very large perfect stone, and the battlements of the tower and part of the leads blown down, some stones of a vast weight blown from the tower, several of them between two or three hundred weight, were blown some rods or perches distance from the church and twelve sheets of lead rolled up together, that twenty men could not have done the like, to the great amazement of those that saw him. And several houses and barns blown down, with many hundreds of trees of all sorts, several stacks of chimneys being blown down, and particularly of one Thomas Spencer's of this town, who had his top of a brick chimney, taken off by the house, and blown across a cart road, and lighting upon a barn of Richard Holloway's, broke down the end of the said barn, and fell upright upon one end, on a mow of corn in the barn. But the said Spencer and his wife, although they were then sitting by the fire, knew nothing thereof until the morning and a stack of chimneys of one Mr. Embers fell down upon a young gentlewoman's bed, she having but just before got out of the same, and several outhouses and stables were blown down, some cattle killed, 
and some wheat ricks entirely blown off their staffels and lighted on their bottom without any other damage this is all the relation i can give you that is remarkable about us i remain your friend and servant william mitchell at ringwood and fordine bridge several houses and trees are blown down and many more houses uncovered from oxford the following account was sent enclosed in the other and are confirmed by letters from other hands sir the enclosed is a very exact and i am sure faithful account of the damages done by the late violent tempest in oxford the particulars of my lord bishop of bath and wells and his lady's misfortune are as follows the palace is the relics of a very old decayed castle only one corner is new built and had the bishop had the good fortune to have lain in those apartments that night he had saved his life he perceived the fall before it came and accordingly jumped out of bed and made towards the door where he was found with his brains dashed out his lady perceiving it wrapped all the bedclothes around her and in that manner was found smothered in bed this account is authentic i am sir yours j bagshot december ninth seventeen o three sir i give you many thanks for your account from london we were no less terrified in oxen with the violence of the storm though we suffered in comparison but little damage the most considerable was a child killed in st giles by the fall of a house two pinnacles taken off from the top of magdalen tower one from merton about twelve trees blown down in christchurch long walk some of the battlements from the body of the cathedral and two or three ranges of rails on the top of the great quadrangle part of the great elm in university garden was blown off and a branch of the oak in magdalen walks the rest of the colleges escaped tolerably well and the schools and theatre entirely a very remarkable passage happened at queen's college several sheets of lead judged near six thousand pounds weight were taken off from the top of sir j williamson's buildings and blown against the west end of st peter's church with such violence that they broke an iron bar in the window making such a prodigious noise with the fall that some who heard it thought the tower had been falling the rest of our losses consisted for the most part in pinnacles chimneys trees slates tiles windows etc amounting in all according to computation to not above a thousand pounds oxford december seventh seventeen o three from kingstone upon thames the following letter is very particular 
and the truth of it may be depended upon. Sir, I have informed myself of the following matters. Here was blown down a stack of chimneys of Mrs. Cooper, widow, which fell on the bed on which she lay, but she being just got up and gone down, she received no harm on her body. Likewise, here was a stack of chimneys of one Mr. Robert Banford's blown down, which fell on a bed on which his son and daughter lay. He was about fourteen years and the daughter sixteen. But they likewise were just got downstairs and received no harm. A stack of chimneys at the Bull Inn was blown down and broke way down to the kitchen, but hurt nobody. Here was a new brick malt house of one Mr. Francis Best, blown down, had not been built above two years, blown off at the second floor, besides many barns and outhouses, and very few houses in the town but lost tiling, some more, some less, and multitudes of trees in particular. Eleven elms of one Mr. John Bowles, shoemaker, about thirty apple-trees of one Mr. Pierce's, and of one John Andrew, a gardener, a hundred apple-trees blown to the ground. One Walter Kent, Esquire, had about twenty rod of new brick wall of his garden blown down. One Mr. Tiringham, gentleman, likewise about ten rod of new brick wall blown down. Mr. George Cole, merchant, had also some rods of new brick wall blown down. Also, Mr. Blytha, merchant, had all his walling blown down, and other extraordinary losses. These are the most considerable damages done here. Your humble servant, C. Castleman. From Tewkesbury in Gloucestershire, and from Hatfield in Hertfordshire, the following letters are sent us from the ministers of the respective places. Sir, our church, though a very large one, suffered no great discernible damage. The lead roof, by the force of the wind, was strangely ruffled, but was laid down without any great cost or trouble two well-grown elms that stood before a sort of almshouse in the churchyard had a different treatment the one was broken short in the trunk and the head turned southward the other tore up by the roots and cast northward diverse chimneys were blown down to the great damage and consternation of the inhabitants and one rising in the middle of two chambers fell so violently that it broke through the roof and ceiling of the chamber, and fell by the bed of Mr. W. M., and bruised some part of the bedteaster and furniture. But himself, wife, and child were signally preserved. An outhouse of Mr. F. M., containing a stable, mill-house, and a sort of barn, judged about forty foot in length, standing at the end of our town, and much exposed to the wind, entirely fell, 
which was the most considerable damage. Not one of our town was killed, or notably hurt, though scarce any but were terribly alarmed by the dreadful violence of it, which remitted about five in the morning. The beautiful cathedral church of Gloucester suffered much, but of that I suppose you will have an account from some proper hand. This I was willing to signify to you in answer to your letter, not that I think them worthy of a public memorial, but the preservation of W.N., his wife and child, was remarkable. Your unknown friend and servant, John Matthews. Tewkesbury, January 12th. 1703 and 4. Bishops Hatfield, December 9th, 1703. Sir, I perceive by an advertisement in the Gazette of last Monday that a relation of some considerable things which happened in the late tempest is intended to be printed, which design, I believe, will be well approved of, that the memory of it may be perpetuated. I will give you an account of some of the observable damages done in this parish. The church which was tiled is so shattered that the body of it is entirely to be ripped. Two barns and a stable have been blown down. In the latter were thirteen horses, and none of them hurt, though there was but one to be seen when the men first came. I have numbered about twenty large trees blown down, which stood in the regular walks in the park here. It is said that all the trees blown down in both the parks will make above an hundred stacks of wood. A summer house, which stood on the east side of the bowling green at Hatfield House, was blown against the wall, and broken, and a large part of it carried over the wall beyond a cartway into the ploughed grounds. A great part of the south wall, belonging to one of the gardens, was levelled with the ground, though it was so strong that the great part of it continues cemented, though it fell upon a gravel walk. Several things which happened inclined me to think that there was something of a hurricane. Part of the fine painted glass window and my Lord Salisbury's chapel, was broken, though it looked towards the east. The north side of an house was untiled several yards square. In some places the lead has been raised up, and over one portal quite blown off. In Brocket Hall Park, belonging to Sir John Reed, so many trees are blown down that lying as they do, they can scarce be numbered, but by a moderate computation they are said to amount to above a thousand. The damages which this parish hath sustained undoubtedly amount to many hundred pounds, some of the most considerable I have mentioned to you, of which I have been in great measure and eyewitness and have had the rest from credible persons, especially the matter of Brocket Hall Park, it being two miles out of town, though in this parish. I am, sir, your humble servant, George Hemsworth, 
M.A. Curate of Bishop's Hatfield in Hertfordshire. The shorter accounts which have been sent up from almost all parts of England, especially to the south of the Trent, though we do not transmit them as large as the above said letters are, shall be faithfully abridged for the readier comprising them within the due compass of our volume. From Kent we have many strange accounts of the violence of the storm, besides what relate to the sea affairs. At Whitstable, a small village on the mouth of the east swale of the River Medway, we are informed a boat belonging to Ahoy was taken up by the violence of the wind, clear off from the water, and being borne up in the air, blew turning continually over and over in its progressive motion, till it lodged against a rising ground about fifty rod from the water. In the passage it struck a man who was in the way, and broke his knee to pieces. We content ourselves with relating only the fact, and giving assurances of the truth of what we relate, we leave the needful remarks on such things to another place. At a town near Chartham, the lead of the church rolled up together, and blown off from the church above twenty rod distance, and being taken up afterwards, and weighed it, appeared to weigh above twenty-six hundred weight. End of Section 9section 10 of the storm by daniel defoe this librivox recording is in the public domain at brenchley in the western parts of kent the spire of the steeple which was of an extraordinary height was overturned the particulars whereof you have in the following letter from the minister of the place sir According to your request, and my promise, for the service of the public, I have here given you an account of the effects of the late tempestuous winds in the parish of Brenchley, in the county of Kent, as freely and impartially as can be consistent with the damages sustained thereby, viz. a stately steeple, whose altitude exceeded almost, if not all, in Kent, the height whereof, according to various computations, it never in my knowledge being exactly measured, did amount at least to ten rods, some say twelve, and others more. Yet this strong and noble structure, by the rage of the winds, was levelled with the ground, and made the sport and pastime of boys and girls, who to future ages, though perhaps incredibly, yet can boast they leapt over such a steeple. The fall thereof beat down great part of the church and porch, the damage of which to repair, as before, will not amount to less than eight hundred or a thousand pounds. This is the public loss. Neither does private and particular much less bemoan their condition, 
for some houses and some barns with other buildings are quite demolished though blessed be god not many lives or limbs lost in the fall and not one house but what suffered greatly by the tempest neither were neighboring parishes much more favored but especially a place called great peckham whose steeple also almost as high as ours was then blown down but not so much damage to the church which god preserved safe and sound for ever this is the nearest account that can be given by your unknown servant thomas fig as the above letter mentions the fall of the spire of great peckham we have omitted a particular letter from the place in or near hawkehurst in sussex a wagon standing in a field loaded with straw and bound well down in order to be fetched away the next day the wind took the wagon drove it backward several rods forced it through a very thick hedge into the road and the way being dirty drove it with that force into the mud or clay of the road that six horses could not pull it out the collector of these accounts cannot but enter the remarks he made having occasion to traverse the county of kent about a month after the storm and besides the general desolation which in every village gave almost the same prospect he declares that he reckoned eleven hundred and seven dwelling-houses outhouses and barns blown quite down whole orchards of fruit trees laid flat upon the ground and of all other sorts of trees such a quantity that though he attempted to take an account of them he found twas impossible and was obliged to give it over from monmouth we have a letter that among a vast variety of ruins in their own houses and barns one whereof fell with a quantity of sheep in it of which seven were killed the lead of the great church though on the side from the wind was rolled up like a roll of cloth and blown off from the church i chose to note this because the letter said it was upon the north side of the church and which seems to confirm what i have observed before of the eddies of the wind the operation whereof has been very strange in several places and more violent than the storm itself at wallingford one robert dowell and his wife being both in bed the chimney of the house fell in demolished the house and the main beam breaking fell upon the bed the woman received but little damage but the man had his thigh broke by the beam and lay in a dangerous condition when the letter was wrote which was the eighteenth of january after from axminster in somersetshire take the following plain but honest account sir the best account I can give of the storm in these parts is as follows. Dr. Togood had his court gate 
with a piece of wall blown to the other side of the road, and stands upright against the hedge, which was twelve foot over, and it was as big as two horses could draw. A sheet of lead which lay flat was carried from Sir William Drake's quite over a wall into the minister's court, near three score yards. There was a tree which stood in Mr. John Whitty's ground, which broke in the middle, and the top of it blew over the hedge, and over a wall, and over a top of a house, and did not hurt the house. There was a mow of corn that was blown off the posts, and sat upright without hurt, belonging to William Oliver at an estate of Edward Seymour's, called Chapelcraft. A maiden oak which stood in the quill, more than a man could fathom, was broken in the middle, several hundred of apple trees, and other trees blown down, most houses damnified in the tiles and thatch, but no houses blown down, and no person hurt nor killed. Neither did the church, nor tower, nor the trees in the churchyard receive much damage. Our loss in the apple-trees is the greatest, because we shall want liquor to make our hearts merry. The farmers sate them up again, but the wind has blown them down since the storm. From Hartley in the county of Southampton, an honest countryman brought the following account by way of certificate from the minister of the parish. Sir, I, the minister of the above said parish, in the county of Southampton, do hereby certify of the several damages done by the late great wind in our own and the parish adjacent, several dwelling houses stripped and several barns overturned, several signposts blown down, and many trees, both timber and fruit, and particularly my own dwelling-house very much mortified. A chimney fell down, and endangered both my own and family's lives. I am, sir, your humble servant, Nathan Kinsey. From Ockingham in Berkshire, and from bagshot in Surrey, as follows. Sir, great damage to the houses, some barns down, the market-house very much shattered, the clock therein spoiled, several hundreds of trees torn up by the roots, most of them elms, nothing more remarkable than what was usual in other places. It is computed that the damage amounts to a thousand pounds, and most of the signs in the town blown down, and some of the leads on the church torn up. Yet, by the goodness of God, not one person killed, nor hurt. Bagshot in Surrey The chimneys of the manor-house, some of them blown down, and four hundred panel of pails, with some of the garden walls blown down, and in and about the town several great elms, torn up by the roots, most of the houses shattered, and the tops of chimneys blown down. In the parish, 
a great many chimneys, the tops of them blown down, and the houses and barns very much shattered, etc. The damage in all is supposed about three hundred pounds, none killed. This is all the account I can give you concerning the damage done by the tempest hereabouts. This is all at present from your humble servant, Joseph Lewis. Bagshot, February 1st, 1704. At Beckles, the leads of the church ripped up, part of the great window blown down, and the whole town exceedingly shattered. At Ewell by Epsom, in Surrey, the lead from the flat roof of Mr. William's house was rolled up by the wind, and blown from the top of the house clear over a brick wall near ten foot high, without damnifying either the house or the wall. The lead was carried near six rod from the house, and, as our relator says, was computed to weigh near ten ton. This is certified by Mr. George Holdsworth of Epsom, and sent for the service of the present collection to the post-house at London, to whom we refer for the truth of the story. From Eli and the county of Cambridge we have the following relation, also by a letter from another hand, and I the rather transmit this letter because by other hands we have an account that it was expected the cathedral or minster at Eli, being a very ancient building and crazy, would not have stood the fury of the wind, and some people that lived within the reach of it had terrible apprehensions of its falling. Some shocks of the wind gave it such a motion that any one that felt it would have thought it was impossible it should have stood. Sir, according to your request, I have made it my business to get the exactest and truest account I am able, of the damages and losses sustained on this side the country by the late violent storm. The Cathedral Church of Eli, by the providence of God, did, contrary to all men's expectations, stand out the shock, but suffered very much in every part of it, especially that which is called the body of it, the lead being torn and rent up a considerable way together, about forty lights of glass blown down and shattered to pieces, one ornamental pinnacle belonging to the north aisle demolished, and the lead in divers other parts of it blown up into great heaps. Five chimneys falling down in a place called the College, the place where the prebendary's lodgings are, did no other damage, praised be God, than beat down some part of the houses along with them. The loss which the church and college of Eli sustained, being by computation near two thousand pounds. The sufferers are the reverend, the dean, and chapter of the said cathedral. The windmills belonging both to the town and country, felt a worse fate, being blown or burnt down by the violence of the wind, or else disabled to that degree that 
they were wholly unable of answering the design they were made for. Three of the aforesaid mills, belonging to one Jeremiah Flaudsam of Eli, a very industrious man of mean substance, were burnt and blown down, to the almost ruin and impoverishment of the aforesaid person, his particular loss being upward of a hundred pounds. These are the most remarkable disasters that befell this side of the country. The inhabitants both of the town of Eli and country general received some small damages, more or less, in their estates and substance, viz. the houses being stripped of the tiling, barns and outhouses laid even with the ground, and several stacks of corn and cocks of hay being likewise much damaged, the general loss being about twenty thousand pounds, the escape of all persons here from death being generally miraculous, none as we can hear of being killed, though some were in more imminent danger than others. This, sir, is a true and as faithful an account as we are able to collect. I am yours, A. Armiger. Eli, January 21st, 1703. From Sudbury in Suffolk, an honest plain countryman gives us a letter in which telling us of a great many barns blown down, trees, chimneys, and tiles, he tells us in the close that their town fared better than they expected, but that for all the neighboring towns they are fearfully shattered. From Tunbridge, a letter to the postmaster, giving the following account. Sir, I cannot give you any great account of the particular damage the late great wind has done, but at Penchurst Park, there was above five hundred trees blown down, and the grove at Southborough is almost blown down, and there is scarce a house in town but hath received some damage, and particularly the schoolhouse. A stack of chimneys blown down, but nobody, God be thanked, have lost their lives. A great many houses have suffered very much and several barns have been blown down. At East Peckham, hard by us, the spire of the steeple was blown down, and at Sir Thomas Twiston's in the same parish, there was a stable blown down, and two horses killed. And at Brenchley, the spire of the steeple was blown down, and at Summerhill Park, there were several trees blown down, which is all at present from your servant to command, Elizabeth Luck. At Lanelow in the county of Brecon in Wales, a poor woman with a child was blown away by the wind, and the child being about ten years old, was taken up in the air two or three yards, and very much wounded and bruised in the fall. At Ledbury in Herefordshire, we have an account of two windmills blown down, and four stacks of chimneys in a new-built house at a village near Ledbury, which wounded a maid-servant, and at another gentleman's house near Ledbury, 
the coachman fearing the stable would fall got his master's coach horses out to save them but leading them by a great stack of hay the wind blew down the stack upon the horses killed one and maimed the other from medhurst in sussex the following letter is a short account of the loss of the lord montacute in his seat there which is extraordinary great though abridged in the letter sir i received a letter from you wherein you desire me to give you an account of what damage was done in and about our town i praise god we came off indifferent well the greatest damage we received was the untiling of the houses and three chimneys blown down but four or five stacks of chimneys are blown down at my lord montacute's house within a quarter of a mile of us one of them fell on part of the great hall which did considerable damage and the church steeple of osborne half a mile from us was blown down at the same time and my lord had above five hundred trees torn up by the roots and near us several barns blown down one of sir john mills a very large tiled barn your humble servant john prink medhurst january eighteenth seventeen o three and seventeen o four from rigget the particulars cannot be better related than in the following letter sir in answer to the letter you sent me relating to the late great wind the calamity was universal about us great numbers of vast tall trees were blown down and some broken quite asunder in the middle though of a very considerable bigness two windmills were blown down and in one there happened a remarkable providence and the story thereof may perhaps be worth your observation which is viz that the miller of charlwood mill not far from rigget hearing in the night-time the wind blew very hard arose from his bed and went to his mill resolving to turn it toward the wind and set it to work as the only means to preserve it standing but on the way feeling for the key of the mill he found he had left it at his dwelling-house and therefore returned thither to fetch it and coming back again to the mill found it blown quite down and by his lucky forgetfulness saved his life which otherwise he most inevitably had lost several stacks of corn and hay were blown down and shattered a very great distance from the places where they stood many barns were also blown down and many stacks of chimneys and in the town and parish of rigget scarce a house but suffered considerable damage either in the tiling or otherwise in the parish of keppel by darkling lived one charles mann who was in bed with his wife and two children and by a fall of part of his house he and one child were killed and his wife and the other child miraculously preserved 
I am, sir, your humble servant, Thomas Foster. Rigget, January 13th, 1703 and 1704. From the city of Hereford, this short letter is very explicit. Sir, the best account I can give of the storm is as follows. A man and his son was killed with the fall of his house in the parish of Wormsel, two miles off Webley in Herefordshire. My lord Scudamore had several great oaks blown down in the parish of Ham, four miles from Hereford. There were several great elms blown down at a place called Hinton on Wyside, half a mile off Hereford, and some hundreds of fruit trees in other parts of this county, and two stacks of chimneys in this city, and abundance of tiles off the old houses. Yours, etc., Anne Watts, Hereford, January 2nd, 1703. At Hawkehurst, on the edge of Sussex and Kent, eleven barns were blown down besides the house shattered or uncovered. From Bassingstoke in Hampshire, the following letter is our authority for the particulars. Sir, I cannot pretend to give you a particular account concerning the great wind, but here are a great many houses blown down, many barns and abundance of trees. A little park three miles from Basingstoke, belonging to Esquire Wallops, has a great quantity of timber blown down. There is eight hundred pounds worth of oak sold, and eight hundred pounds worth of other trees to be sold and so proportionably all over the country. Abundance of houses untiled, and a great many chimneys blown down. But I do not hear of anybody killed about us. Most of the people were in great fears and consternation, insomuch that they thought the world had been at an end. Sir, yours to command, W. Neville. At Shoreham, the market-house, an ancient and very strong building, was blown flat to the ground, and all the town shattered. Bright Helmston, being an old-built and poor, though populous town, was most miserably torn to pieces, and made the very picture of desolation that it looked as if an enemy had sacked it. The following letter from a small town near Helford in Cornwall is very authentic and may be depended on. Sir, according to your request in a late advertisement, in which you desired an impartial account of what accidents happened by the late dreadful storm, in order to make a true and just collection of the same, please to take the following relation, viz., between eight and nine o'clock the storm began. With the wind at northwest, about ten o'clock, it veered about from west to southwest and back to west again. And between eleven and twelve o'clock it blew in a most violent and dreadful manner that the country hereabouts thought the great day of judgment was coming. It continued thus blowing till five o'clock and then began to abate a little, 
but has done a prodigious damage to almost all sorts of people, for either their houses are blown down, or their corn blown out of their tack-yards, some furlongs distance, from the same that the very fields look in a manner as if they had shaked the sheaves of corn over them, several barns blown down, and the corn that was in the same carried clear away. The churches hereabouts have suffered very much. The roofs of several are torn to pieces and blown a considerable distance off. The small quantity of fruit trees we had in the neighborhood about us are so dismembered and torn in pieces that few or none are left fit for bearing fruit. The large timbered trees, as elm, oak, and the like, are generally blown down, especially the largest and highest trees suffered most, for few gentlemen that had trees about their houses have any left, and it is generally observed here that the trees and houses that stood in valleys and most out of the wind have suffered most. In short, the damage has been so general that both rich and poor have suffered much. In Helford, a small haven not far from hence, there was a ten-ship blown from her anchors with only one man and two boys on board, without anchor, cable, or boat, and was forced out of the said haven about twelve o'clock at night. The next morning, by eight o'clock, the ship, miraculously, run in between two rocks in the Isle of Wight, where the men and goods were saved, but the ship lost. Such a run in so short a time is almost incredible, it being near eighty leagues in eight hours' time. I believe it to be very true, for the master of the said ship I know very well, and some that were concerned in her lading, which was ten, etc. From St. Kevern Parish, in Cornwall, yours, etc., W.T., May 26, 1704. Thus far, our letters. End of section 10. Section 11 of The Storm by Daniel Defoe. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. It has been impossible to give an exact relation in the matter of public damage, either as to the particulars of what is remarkable, or an estimate of the general loss. The abstract here given, as near as we could order it, is so well taken that we have, generally speaking, something remarkable from every quarter in the kingdom to the south of the Trent. It has been observed that though it blew a great storm farther northward, yet nothing so furious as this way. At Hull, indeed, as the relation expresses, it was violent, but even that violence was moderate compared to the 
stupendous fury with which all the southern part of the nation was attacked. When the reader finds an account here from Milford Haven in Wales, and from Helford in Cornwall West, from Yarmouth and Deal in the east, from Portsmouth in the south, and Hull in the north, I am not to imagine him so weak as to suppose all the vast interval had not the same, or proportioned suffering, when you find one letter from a town, and two from a county, it is not to be supposed that was the whole damage of that county, but, on the contrary, that every town in the county suffered the same thing in proportion. And it would have been endless to the collector, and tiresome to the reader, to have enumerated all the individuals of every county, would be endless to tell the desolation in the parks, groves, and fine walks of the gentry, the general havoc in the orchards and gardens among the fruit trees, especially in the counties of Devon, Somerset, Hereford, Gloucester, and Worcester, where the making great quantities of cider and perry is the reason of numerous and large orchards, among which, for several miles together, there would be very few trees left. In Kent, the editor of this book, has seen several great orchards, the trees lying flat on the ground, and perhaps one tree standing in a place by itself, as a house might shelter it, perhaps none at all. So many trees were everywhere blown across the road, that till the people were called to saw them off and remove them, the ways were not passable. Stacks of corn and hay were in all places either blown down or so torn that they received great damage, and in this article tis very observable those which were only blown down received the least injury, when the main body of a stack of hay stood safe, the top being loosened by the violence of the wind, the hay was driven up into the air, and flew about like feathers, that it was entirely lost, and hung about in the neighbouring trees, and spread on the ground for a great distance, and so perfectly separated, that there was no gathering it together. Barley and oats suffered the same casualty, only that the weight of the corn settled it sooner to the ground than the hay. As to the stacks of wheat, the accounts are very strange. From many places we have letters, and some so incredible that we dare not venture on the reader's faith to transmit them, lest they should shock their belief in those very strange relations already set down, and better attested, as of a great stack of corn taken from the hovel on which it stood, and without dislocating the sheaves, set upon another hovel from whence the wind had just before removed another stack of equal dimensions, of a stack of wheat taken up with the wind, and set down whole, sixteen rod off, and the like. 
but as we have other relations equally strange their truth considered we refer the reader to them and assure the world we have several accounts of stacks of wheat taken clear off from the frame or steddle and set down whole abundance more overset and thrown off their standings and others quite dispersed and in a great measure destroyed tis true corn was exceeding cheap all the winter after but they who bring that as a reason to prove there was no great quantity destroyed are obliged to bear with me in telling them they are mistaken for the true reason was as follows the stacks of corn in some counties the west chiefly where the people generally lay up their corn in stacks being so damnified as above and the barns in all parts being universally uncovered and a vast number of them overturned and blown down the country people were under a necessity of threshing out their corn with all possible speed least if a rain had followed as at that time of year was not unlikely it might have been all spoiled and it was a special providence to those people also as well as to us in london that it did not rain at least to any quantity for near three weeks after the storm besides this the country people were obliged to thresh out their corn for the sake of the straw which they wanted to repair the thatch and covering of their barns in order to secure the rest all these circumstances forced the corn to market in unusual quantities and that by consequence made it cheaper than ordinary and not the exceeding quantity then in store the seats of the gentlemen in all places had an extraordinary share in the damage their parks were in many places perfectly dismantled the trees before their doors leveled their garden walls blown down and i could give a list i believe of a thousand seats in england within the compass of our collected papers who had from five to twenty stacks of chimneys blown down some more some less according to the several dimensions of the houses i am not obliging the reader to comply with the calculations here following and it would have took up too much room in this small tract to name particulars but according to the best estimate i have been able to make from the general accounts sent up by persons forward to have this matter recorded the following particulars are rather under than over the real truth twenty-five parks in the several counties who have above one thousand trees in each park blown down new forest in hampshire above four thousand and some of prodigious bigness above four hundred and fifty parks and groves who have from two hundred large trees to a thousand blown down in them about one hundred churches covered with lead the lead rolled up the churches uncovered and on some of them the lead in 
prodigious quantities blown to incredible distances from the church. Above four hundred windmills overset and broken to pieces, or the sails so blown round that the timbers and wheels have heat and set the rest on fire, and so burnt them down, as particularly several were in the Isle of Eli. Seven steeples quite blown down, besides abundance of pinnacles and battlements from those which stood, and the churches where it happened most of them demolished or terribly shattered. Above eight hundred dwelling-houses blown down, in most of which the inhabitants received some bruise or wounds, and many lost their lives. We have reckoned, including the city of London, about a hundred and twenty-three people killed, besides such as we have had no account of. The number of people drowned are not easily guessed, but by all the calculations I have made and seen made, we are within compass if we reckon eight thousand men lost, including what were lost on the coast of Holland, what in ships blown away and never heard of, and what were drowned in the flood of the Severn and in the river of Thames. What the loss, how many poor families ruined, is not to be estimated. The fire of London was an exceeding loss, and was by some reckoned at four million sterling, which, though it was a great loss, and happened upon the spot where vast quantities of goods, being exposed to the fury of the flames, were destroyed in a hurry, and fourteen thousand dwelling-houses entirely consumed. Yet, on the other hand, that desolation was confined to a small space. The lost fell on the wealthiest part of the people, but this loss is universal, and its extent general. Not a house, not a family that had anything to lose, but have lost something by this storm. The sea, the land, the houses, the churches, the corn, the trees, and rivers, all have felt the fury of the winds. I cannot therefore think I speak too large if I say, I am of the opinion that the damage done by this tempest far exceeded the fire of London. They tell us the damages done by the tide on the bank of the Severn amounts to above two hundred thousand pounds, fifteen thousand sheep drowned in one level, multitudes of cattle on all the sides, and the covering the lands with salt water is a damage cannot well be estimated. The high tide at Bristol spoiled or damnified fifteen hundred hogsheads of sugar and tobaccos, besides great quantities of other goods. Tis impossible to describe the general calamity, and the most we can do is to lead our reader to supply by his imagination what we omit, and to believe that, as the head of the particulars is thus collected, an infinite variety at the same time happened in every place which cannot be expected 
to be found in this relation. There are some additional remarks to be made as to this tempests, which I cannot think improper to come in here, as, one, that in some parts of England it was joined with terrible lightnings and flashings of fire, and in other places none at all. As to the thunder, the noise the wind made was so terrible and so unusual that I will not say people might not mistake it for thunder, but I have not met with any who will be positive that they heard it thunder. 2. Others, as in many letters we have received to that purpose, insist upon it that they felt an earthquake. And this I am doubtful of for several reasons. First, we find few people, either in city or country, ventured out of their houses, or at least till they were forced out. And I cannot find any voucher to this opinion of an earthquake from those whose feet stood upon the terra firma felt it move, and will affirm it to be so. Second, as to all those people who were in houses, I cannot allow them to be competent judges, for as no house was so strong as not to move and shake with the force of the wind, so it must be impossible for them to distinguish whither that motion came, from above or below. As to those in ships, they will not pretend to be competent judges in this case, and I think the people within doors as improper to decide, for what might not that motion they felt in their houses from the wind do that an earthquake could do? We found it rocked the strongest buildings, and in several places made the bells in the steeples strike, loosened the foundations of the houses, and in some below them quite down. But still, if it had been an earthquake, it must have been felt in every house, and every place. And whereas in those streets of London, where the houses stand thick and well built, they could not be so shaken with the wind as in opener places, yet there the other would have equally been felt, and better distinguished, and this particularly by the watch who stood on the ground, under shelter of public buildings, as in St. Paul's Church, the exchange gates, the gates of the city, and such like. Wherefore, as I am not for handing to posterity any matter of fact upon ill evidence, so I cannot transmit what has its foundation only in the amazements of the people. Tis true that there was an earthquake felt in the northeast parts of the kingdoms about a month afterwards, of which several letters here inserted make mention, and one very particularly from Hull, but that there was any such thing as an earthquake during the storm, I cannot agree. Another remarkable thing I have observed, and have several letters to show of the water which fell in the storm, being brackish, and at Cranbrook in Kent, which is at least sixteen miles from the sea, 
and above twenty-five from any part of the sea to windward, from whence the wind could bring any moisture, for it could not be supposed to fly against the wind. The grass was so salt, the cattle would not eat for several days, from whence the ignorant people suggested another miracle, viz., that it rained salt water. The answer to this I leave to two letters printed in the Philosophical Transactions as follows. Part of a letter from Mr. Denham to the Royal Society. Sir, I have just now, since my writing, received an account from a clergyman and intelligent person at Lewes in Sussex, not only that the storm made great desolations thereabouts, but also an odd phenomenon occasioned by it, viz., that a physician travelling soon after the storm to Tishurst, about twenty miles from Lewes, and as far from the sea as he rode, he plucked some tops of the hedges, and chewing them, found them salt. Some ladies of Lewes, hearing this, tasted some grapes that were still on the vines, and they also had the same relish. The grass on the downs in his parish was so salt that the sheep in the morning would not feed till hunger compelled them, and afterwards drank like fishes, as the shepherds report. This he attributed to saline particles driven from the sea. He heareth also that people about Portsmouth were much annoyed with sulphurous fumes, complaining they were most suffocated therewith. 5. Part of a letter from Mr. Anthony Van Lowenhoek, F.R.S., giving his observations on the late storm. Delft, January 8th, 1704, N.S. Sir, I affirmed in my letter of the 3rd of November last past that water may be so dashed and beaten against the banks and dikes by a strong wind and divided into such small particles as to be carried far up into the land. Upon the 8th of December, 1703, N.S., we had a dreadful storm from the southwest, insomuch that the water mingled with small parts of chalk and stone, was so dashed against glass windows that many of them were darkened therewith, and the lower windows of my house, which are made of very fine glass, and always kept well scoured, and were not open till eight o'clock that morning, notwithstanding that they looked to the northeast, and consequently stood from the wind, and, moreover, were guarded from the rain by a kind of shelf or penthouse over them, were yet so covered with the particles of the water which the whirlwind cast against them, that in less than half an hour they were deprived of most of their transparency, and forasmuch as these particles of water were not quite exhaled, I concluded that it must be sea-water, 
which the said storm had not only dashed against our windows, but spread also over the whole country. That I might be satisfied herein, I blowed two small glasses, such as I thought most proper to make my observations with, concerning the particles of water that adhered to my windows. Pressing these glasses gently against my windows, that were covered with the supposed particles of sea-water, my glasses were tinged with a few of the said particles. These glasses, with the water I had thus collected on them, I placed at about half a foot distance from the candle. I viewed them by my microscope, reckoning that by the warmth of the candle and my face together, the particles of the said water would be put into such a motion that they would exhale for the most part, and the salts that were in them would be exposed naked to the sight. And so it happened, for in a little time a great many salt particles did, as it were, come out of the water, having the figure of our common salt, but very small, because the water was little, from whence those small particles proceeded, and where the water had lain very thin upon the glass, there were indeed a great number of salt particles, but so exceeding fine that they almost escaped the sight through a very good microscope. From whence I concluded that these glass windows could not be brought to their former luster, but by washing them with a great deal of water, for if the air were very clear and the weather dry, the watery particles would soon exhale, but the salts would cleave fast to the glass, which said salts would be again dissolved in moist weather and sit like a dew or mist upon the windows and accordingly my people found it when they came to wash the aforementioned lower windows of my house. But as to the upper windows, where the rain had beat against them, there was little or no salt to be found sticking upon that glass. Now, if we consider what a quantity of sea-water is spread all over the country by such a terrible storm, and consequently how greatly impregnated the air is with the same, we ought not to wonder that such a quantity of water, being moved with so great a force, should do as much mischief to chimneys, tops of houses, etc., not to mention the damages at sea. During the said storm, and about eight o'clock in the morning, I cast my eye upon my barometer, and observed that I had never seen the quicksilver so low. But half an hour after the quicksilver began to rise, though the storm was not at all abated, at least to any appearance, from whence I concluded, and said it to those that were about me, that the storm would not last long. And so it happened. There are some that affirm that the scattering of this salt water by the storm will do a great deal of harm to the fruits of the earth. But, for my part, 
I am of quite different opinion, for I believe that a little salt spread over the surface of the earth, especially where it is heavy clay ground, does render it exceedingly fruitful, and so it would be if the sand out of the sea were made use of to the same purpose. These letters are too well and too judiciously written to need any comment of mine. Tis plain the watery particles taken up from the spry of the sea and the air might, by the impetuosity of the winds, be carried a great way, and if it had been much farther, it would have been no miracle in my account, and this is the reason why I have not related these things among the extraordinary articles of the storm. That the air was full of meteors and fiery vapors, and that the extraordinary motion occasioned the firing more of them than usual, a small stock of philosophy will make very rational, and of these we have various accounts, more in some places than in others, and I am apt to believe these were the lightnings we have been told of, for I am of opinion that there was really no lightning, such as we call so, in the common acceptation of it. For the clouds that flew with so much violence through the air were not, as to my observation, such as usually are freighted with thunder and lightning. The hurries nature was then in do not consist with the system of thunder, which is air pent in between the clouds, and as for the clouds that were seen here flying in the air, they were by the fury of the wind so separated and in such small bodies that there was no room for a collection suitable and necessary to the case we speak of. These cautions I thought necessary to set down here for the satisfaction of the curious, and as they are only my opinions, I submit them to the judgment of the reader. End of section 11What does innovation sound like? It sounds like the luxury of being in the moment with your customer, client, or patient. It sounds like having the right information right when you need it. It sounds like being at your best for your customers and your business. Thanks to Highland's intelligent content solutions that improve digital processes, innovators everywhere are able to do their thing better, whatever that thing is. Now, who doesn't like the sound of that? Highland, for innovators everywhere, visit highland.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.